Oh, hello. (laughs) Welcome to Feels Podcast. This is a mental health podcast without the wank. It's tailored for Australians and Aotearoans, aka New Zealanders. Kia ora, g'day. You may notice me, Bree Stewart. You may notice I have a bit of a hoarse, strained, suddenly sexy voice. Why? This is day one, being COVID positive, that spiky, sexy little bitch has made its way into my body. It's bouncing around having a party. Now, I was just watching the Oscars because I've taken the Arvo off to be a sick Sally. And Will Smith's gone and he's slap-a-dap-a-doodle Chris Rock right in the face. So that's the sort of energy I'm writing into the episode on. It's all about acknowledging all the facets of life. That's not what we're talking about today, though. I'm going to come back to the purpose as to why you're here. Probably because you've seen a title that says something like codependent feels or navigating codependency. So if you struggle being codependent on another person or on other people, and in the process of that, you're feeling lost, you're feeling like your validation has to be entirely external, stick around because we're just going to shoot the shit right through that. Hopefully you feel a little less alone in it. Hold on tight fam, let's drop that beat. Burn down every bridge with relationships attached with. I can't even try to vouch my innocence. I'm sorry for trapping you in my fields. Of a story of dark colours and thrills. Just a big shout out to Danny. Also Danny Regez, check him out in my show notes. He very generously has let us use Feels Demo, that's his song, Feels, for free here on Feels. Thank you, Danny. Kia brother. I have a long history of being a codependent person. In fact, I'm still a codependent person. It's murky, it's icky, it itches us in all the wrong spots to actually say out loud, hello, my name's Deborah, and I'm quite fucking codependent. You know what I mean? But maybe in that exact statement, in that sense of self-acknowledgement and self-awareness, that's where the growth begins, potentially. I'm hoping as you listen to me talk about being codependent and also being a mental health counsellor, it might normalise shit for you and just remind you that we all have our shit. But this is one particular thing I have a lot of knowledge in based on my journey. Okay. So you might be pondering, what is the difference between codependence and loving someone very much. So my feeling with it is also that you can be codependent on one person or on many people. The core difference to me is that when you're a codependent person, you completely lose yourself in relationship with another. You can be in love with someone and still keep your sense of identity, your sense of self, a little bit of relationship with yourself obviously still keeps regulating. And it's normal when you fall in love with someone or you do love anyone, to have a sense of fear. We don't ever want to lose them. We don't want to grieve someone, right? Maybe there's a bit of confusion in that. Codependency is where the needs of the other person or other people every day tend to trump your own or the other people or other person need you, validate you, give you something, right? For you to feel like a whole person. I just really believe that when you're in love, this doesn't need to happen. None of those things need to happen. 
genuinely, if you can love yourself too, if you truly have integrated a degree of self-love, you can still love someone else without feeling like you need them to define who you are and to validate you like a parking ticket of emotions. In this way, Gaber Mate, I still can't say his name properly, but he's in my show notes. He's a legend. He is a very talented psychotherapist. He's very skilled in the realm of addiction and codependency is the form of addiction. We do a similar thing when we grab drugs or alcohol to fill a hole for us. It's that we can't regulate within ourselves. So we go to the external world to try and find something that will help regulate for us, whether it's booze, food, or another human being. It's the same kind of thing, if that makes sense. It's the same process. And I'm sure you're thinking right about now, okay, Dr. Bree McSmarty McNipple face, where does this behavior stem from? There's a few different places that it stems from. For some people, it can be that their parents actually mollycoddled them a lot and fought a lot of their battles for them. So they haven't learned to self-regulate, independent play, independent critical thinking and all that shit. What I saw within myself, and I suppose what I see more frequently in the work I do helping, you know, to support people figure out their mental health, is it's down the other end of the spectrum. Uh, Usually rooted in childhood, sometimes it can be an adult trauma, you know, perhaps there was a huge betrayal or mistrust that has sparked a sense of validate me, make sure I always feel needed by you and defined by you. But more often than not, uh, a child will grow up in a home where their emotions, their feelings are ignored minimized punished shamed you name it and of course the emotional neglect gives that little human pretty low self-esteem their needs are just not worth tending to and remembering that kids aren't fully grown so filling the role of an adult I suppose can have a pretty adverse impact and when you're little you're trying to get your dickhead parents to engage with you Uh, You ignore your own needs in the process and you see a lot of young people parentified. So acting as the parent more so as well to kind of, I suppose, sustain some degree of engagement with their caregiver if they're not getting it otherwise. And at that time, those coping mechanisms are great. They actually help kids survive and this is where kids are really resilient and really adaptable. But essentially what they learn is my needs don't matter. And I know for me at a young age, I was very codependent on certain teachers and certain friends. I felt like it was a bit of a drug at times because they were giving me a sense of something that I think I was probably missing at the homestead. Now, when we form into adults, it's actually not that useful. It's not necessary for survival. Uh, You know, when we're little, we have no agency. So we need those skills to make ends meet for ourselves emotionally. But... As an adult, it can self-sabotage and it can also sabotage relationships. I tend to find that codependents sometimes, well, often put other people's needs before their own. Uh, They rely on other people to text them back really quickly or let them know they're okay or let them know they're worthwhile, they're worth their time. Uh, A lot of constant communication. Sometimes it can just be that that person doesn't even seem that needy to the person they're codepending on, if you will, or the people they're codepending on, but that 
within that person's own world they're sitting there waiting for text messages maybe they've sent a text to someone and then six hours later they get a response but in that six hour gap there was a high degree of distress while they were waiting for that person to kind of validate their day or validate who they are these are the just the anecdotal things I found with them myself and again their themes I guess I see as I'm out there talking to people I'll share with you my experience of how I kind of worked through my codependent behaviors and remembering this is the PO. This is the personal opinion. Take what you need, leave what you don't. And as always, seek your own support, right? Find your own trusted professional and yarn it out with them. But I will say that the first step for me was getting on top of impulse control. So I would latch on to specific people from the age of about 15 onwards, usually women generally women I was dating but certainly also my friends felt a high degree of pressure with me I think they felt like they had to be pseudo caregivers in a way and uh, I would have very intense crushes on girls almost disproportionate crushes like I could just go on two dates and just be absolutely obsessed with that person the dates might have actually been quite average now that I look back objectively but I was just like, right, you, you know, tell me how I'm special and how I'm important and make sure you text me back quickly. And these little kind of micro behaviors started to build, right? I would also always choose a partner, surprise, surprise, who was emotionally unavailable and tended to breadcrumb their affection or care of me. I think we do this because we're trying to mirror our childhood. It's like, well, if that's what you experienced in childhood was sporadic attention, that's actually the thing that's familiar to you as an adult. So if you're wondering why you keep kind of leaning towards dickheads, that might be something to dissect, but that's for your journaling and for your counselor, uh, but just something to think about. At age 29, I would say I got very fed up with this whole system it just wasn't working for me uh, I was just too distressed because my entire sense of self rested at the feet of other people it was just absolutely unsustainable uh, so I did the classic F45 for the soul the BFT for the mind and of course went to therapy it was a huge pain in the ass it cost money but it kind of got the job done right Another thing I did is I went to two of these codependence anonymous sessions. That's a real fucking thing, by the way. They exist. Uh, not for me, but it was nice to sit in a room and just hear people that really struggled with codependency. And again, interestingly, in that room, a lot of themes and parallel kind of process with addiction. So quite a few people in there struggling with codependency who had been addicted to alcohol or, or drug use in the past. The other thing I did in between counseling, because counseling is very expensive, is I read a lot of wanky schmanky self-help books. Melody Beatty, I'll pop her in the show notes. She is the guru in the space of codependency. I do think we can overkill self-help books. Sometimes I feel like I read them but don't do any of the work that they're actually suggesting I do. But, you know, when it feels really overwhelming and you're learning a lot about yourself sometimes these books are really beautiful because again they just I guess they're just written objectively and it's showing you that this is such a common thing that there's 25 books on this topic alone right so that was really reassuring 
I identified really quickly after that as well that my codependency being targeted towards women that I would have crushes over that I needed to stop having casual sex. So casual sex just did not work for me as a codependent person because by the time I got to the sex stage when I was single and dating a girl, uh, I guess I liked them enough to get to the sex stage, you know what I mean, whether it was two dates or whatever. And sometimes sex would blur things and because with codependency our personal boundaries aren't very strong because we're so desperate for the validation and approval of the other person or other people that will allow the boundaries to kind of blur. Because I guess we're lost, we don't know who we are, so how do we build the fence to protect this person that we don't know, we don't know what they need. I just also acknowledged I guess that in sex there's an energetic connection that I think is formed. And uh, yeah, I cut it out. I cut out the lady tribs for probably three or four months. I worked really compassionately as well. So as I was working on this impulse control, okay, I want to text that girl and get her to fill the void and the space within myself because it's Saturday night and I'm home alone with the dog and I don't feel comfortable being alone with my thoughts. I would just remind myself that I've got this. And for a while it didn't feel real. I didn't believe it. But after time this higher wiser version of me actually stepped in and she would be like you actually do have this so when I'm saying this I'm not talking realistically like there wasn't like a physical version of me that was birthed that was cheering me on though that would have been handy but there was a voice in my head that really truly integrated so this archetype within me was birthed out of that discomfort sitting on my own getting on top of my impulses, not texting the first girl I could think of to validate me or soothe me. And over time, that wiser version of me who still lives with me today, so my inner champion, she trumps my inner critic and she says, you have fucking got this. You've got you. You were born worthy. It was your birthright to be enough. You do not need these random people you've projected uh, all of your dreams onto to validate you in this moment and this is legit it's uncomfortable it took a few months but it does happen and I want to iterate here that this is still quite ongoing for me because at the end of the day I spent 29 years being (laughs) a codependent gal you know a codependent gal of the big wide world so There are still days where my impulse control is a bit piss weak. There are still days where I turn to my partner in a fretty state and go, hey, did you find my joke I sent you earlier funny? Am I still a funny person? Can you fucking validate me today and look after me? There are still days and that's okay because every single human being has their own little thing that they're working through. If it's not codependency, it could be withdrawal avoidance Uh, it could be an inability to communicate it could be anger it could be depression whatever right we've all got these little ways of being that come and go even as we're doing the work remembering that we're going to do the work forever (laughs) and I know that sounds lame but it's true you have to self-nurture and maintain self-awareness your whole life and it gets easier and easier as the days go by it really does And just remembering too and honoring that any coping mechanism, even addiction, was a beautiful 
protective thing once upon a time, usually when we're younger, and that's the only tool at our disposal. The final sprinkle uh, in this recipe of life is, of course, external support. So at this time, a lot of weekend meditation centers, if I could go to yoga, if I could get to the ocean and swim in it, get to nature and go for a hike, chat to a therapist, chat to a trusted friend, listen to a podcast full of insight. It's part of that communal healing, that relational healing that can feel scary as shit, but I believe it is imperative to become codependent. A part of you does not trust yourself. And in the codependency cycle, as the relationships are sabotaged, and the relationship with yourself is as well, it's important to remember there are people in the world you can trust, that you will find equilibrium with people again. It's hard work because it requires vulnerability, and what I've talked about before heaps on the show is vulnerability is the hardest, hardest, hardest thing to do, but it is so, so worth it. We're creeping ever so close to death each day with each breath, so let's not be hesitant, Helens. Let's get going. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, rate and subscribe on Apple or wherever you're listening. Otherwise, just go old school and tell a friend. Say, hey, there's this ginger lesbian and she's recording a sanitary podcast. It's about feelings. And just shoot them over here. Feels podcast. Feels with a Z. Podcast at gmail.com. Feels podcast on Instagram. Look forward to seeing you over there in Nohora. Can't even try to vouch my innocence But a lot of this has been a product of my bitterness I'm sorry for trapping you in my feels Of a story of dark colors and thrills I'm sorry for trapping you in my feels Of a story of dark colors